So we want to talk about time today, okay? And that song, interestingly enough, now 1965 was not the most godly time, nor were the birds particularly Christians. In fact, they weren't Christians at all. And yet their manager approached them and said, hey, I need for you to write a song like you did the other one with such a big hit. And for some reason, he ended up in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And what you heard in that song, with the exception of turn, 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 and the last part where he says, I swear it's not too late. Beyond that, it is the King James Version of the Bible from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. How about that? Isn't that crazy? And isn't that cool? But it does a good job. Of course, the Word of God does a great job of telling us about time, about the rhythm of time. And so I hope today you'll get your worship out at worship app out, and then you'll turn to that, go to your, the Bible app, go to the far right corner, go to events, open that up, and all the sermon notes and the slides and all that will be available to you today. So I hope you, that you'll do that. Now, now today we want to talk about seasons and time. Seasons and time. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 1, which you heard in the song, says this. To everything there is a season... A time for every purpose under the heavens. Let me read that to you again. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heavens. Now that's a very significant verse. And notice that it says, there, for everything there is a season. That season represents a block of time. A block of time. Okay? And I want you to just file this away. I would call this block of time for our days as the scattering. The scattering. I'll explain that in just a moment. And then it says, a time for every purpose under heavens. That's a window of time. It's a more specific point of time. And I would call that the presentation of the gospel. So we have a time of scattering for the purpose of sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to know that Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 1 is not just a catchy Bible verse. It's so much more than that. It's a statement of the sovereignty of God and His perfect timing and His perfect purpose. Now you need to really grab a hold of that. I, the, I, I told Nancy Evans, she's running our computer this morning, I said this is probably not one of those real encouraging messages other than the fact that we're going to prove and show that God is in control of all of this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 1, he has a catchy verse, but it's a verse on the sovereignty of God. First off this, God's in control. Don't lose sight of that. It seems like every time we turn on the news, and you've got to learn not to do that because it's so discouraging, but, but every time we turn on the news, there's more bad news, okay? I want to tell you something. Good or bad, God is in control. You can mark it down. And secondly, his timing is perfect. His timing in history for this pandemic is a, to be allowed is perfect. And you know what? He has a purpose. And I want to show you what I think God has showed me. Um, again, I'm just an undereducated Southern Illinois preacher. Um, but I think God really spoke to my heart about something I need to share with our congregation today via Facebook, on the radio, and, and of course later on in the recordings. Now... Two verses keep popping into my brain that I want to share with you today, and there's a reason, okay? In Psalm 139.16, okay, this verse says this, and you've heard it in the last two or three weeks, your eyes saw me when I was formless. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days, all my days were written in your book and planned, that's the key word, and planned before a single one of them began. I just find that incredible. You know, it's written, it's written in the Old Testament. We're going to go, by the way, we're going to go Old Testament, we're going to Acts, and then we're going to the Gospels. But I know it's written in the Old Testament, but it's so applicable today. 
okay, that God has planned our days before a single one of them was even lived out. You know, last night, uh, Roy Daniel, finally, Jesus came and got him and says, time to come home, Roy. And, and we actually wondered that. I said it in an article I'd written. You know, we were wondering, God, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Father, why don't you take Roy? He's ready to go. And you know what? I finally said this. I said, God had numbered Roy's days. And when the day came for him to go home, he was going to go home. And about 12.01 last night, that's exactly what happened. God called Roy home. So he has planned these days for us, okay, all of his children. He's planned these days for us. And then, and then in Jeremiah 29, 11, I think we quoted this last week, okay? But I won't go just a little bit further, all right? Here's what he says. For I know this is, um, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel, promising them a better future than Babylon, okay? But again, the application is for the church also today. For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So I think this is something we can claim even today. That we can claim today that God has plans for us, not to harm us, but plans to give us a hope and a future. These days, now listen, these days are fertile ground for the promises of God. I know, I know, we live in such a culture where we really don't always have to lean on, lean into the promises of God. These days we're living in are times for us to get into the Word of God, find the promises of God that God has applied to our lives. Now don't go claim the promises of Abraham because those are not yours, but the Word of God is filled with the promises of God for His people. And these are fertile ground for us to claim the promises of God, to do something, oh this is good, to do something that we don't ordinarily do. And that is what this sermon is all about. So I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And where we usually stop there, Brent, but then we go to verse number 12. Then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. These days are fertile grounds for prayer. Fertile ground for promises, fertile grounds for prayer. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. It's, it's like, you know, we don't really commit a whole lot of time to prayer if things are going well. But when things go south, we find ourselves in deep weeds, all of a sudden we become great warriors of prayer. And that's fine, that's cool. But God is teaching us that these are fertile grounds for time for prayer. I remember a joke, and I don't tell many jokes, and there's no one here today to laugh at this joke, so we don't know if it goes over or not. You be sure and let me know. But a pastor went in to visit someone in the hospital, and so they visited for a while, and the person was laying there in the bed, of course, and finally the pastor said, well, listen, before I go, can I have a word of prayer with you? And the patient cries out, oh, no, has it come to that? And that's how we sometimes view prayer. Is it, oh no, has it come to that? Listen, God doesn't want prayer to be something we only do in a crisis. He wants it to be a lifestyle for us. He wants it to be something that we do constantly in our lives. Just like we breathe in and out, we learn to pray the same way. So these days are fertile ground for prayer. But then he goes one step further, verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now come on, can we be honest here? Over the last years and decades, haven't we kind of sought God, but maybe not with all of our heart? And these days that we're living in, oh, they're fertile ground for this kind of faith. 
A faith when we see God like we've never sought Him before. So God has plans for us. Plans that include claiming His promises. Plans that include a more vibrant prayer life. Plans that include a new kind of faith that puts our faith and trust deeply and completely into God. You know, Tony Evans, a, a pastor, says, you know, God's timing and path are always perfect. God's timing and path are always perfect. Now watch this. Trust His delays. He's got you. Trust His delays. He's got you. I know, I know. We all know, okay? This, we've never done anything like this before. This is, this, is to- this is really difficult for Baptists because we don't like change. And change is just everywhere we look. The way we worship has changed. The way we do life has changed. The way, the way we go places has changed. What we wear according to masks and things like that. This has all been changed. It's all been crazy. All right, with all that going on. But here's what I want you to see. You can trust God even in his detours. You can trust God even in his detours. One of my favorite movies from 19, a long time ago, uh, is the movie The Hunt for Red October. It's a great thriller about uh, Russia and America and submarines and all of that. And, and they were, American submarine was following a Soviet submarine. And, and the captain said, we have to be careful for Crazy Ivan. And he said, what's a Crazy Ivan? He said, well, what happens is a Russian uh, submarine captain will suddenly do a left turn, uh, arbitrarily. Just do a hard left turn. And the reason is this. If another submarine is following a submarine and the baffles in the water, then the wake and the current, he's, he's invisible. So the, the Russian submarine will turn hard left to see if there's anybody behind him. God does, God does crazy items. And he does it so that we'll see, he will see if we're willing to follow him anywhere. And that's my question. Are you willing to follow God Anywhere, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. You know, in Job 42, 2, and you know the story of Job, a tremendous time. You, you think the coronavirus is crazy hard? And look at Job's life. He lost everything, and then his wife comes along and says, you're nothing but dirt. You know, why don't you just confess your sin and get over with? Then four, four friends show up, and they tell him he's nothing but dirt. Why don't he confess his sin and get it over with? And finally, he has this conversation with God. And God is telling great and wonderful truths. And, and Job in 42.2 says this. I know, I know that you can do all things. Now he had been through a horribly difficult time. He'd been through a horrible difficult time. And yet here Job said, I know in spite of all that my eyes have seen, in spite of all that my ears hear, in spite of all the circumstances that I'm in, I know you can do all things. Listen church, we need that. Some of y'all are so discouraged this morning because you don't like it. See, here's the deal. We're in school, and we want to be on summer break. God has got us in school, and we're wanting summer break instead. Well, God has placed us here for a purpose and a reason to teach us. Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours will be thwarted. No purpose of yours will be thwarted. I love Isaiah 55, 11. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. God's purpose is going to be accomplished. Way back when, again, probably 70s, 1970s, Andre Crouch wrote a great song entitled Through It All, Through It All. One of the verses goes like this. I thank God for the mountains and I thank God for the valleys 
I thank him for the storms he has brought me through. For Now listen, listen, listen. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon your word. God has us in school to teach us some powerful lessons. Now, something you need to know is that we do not serve an accidental God. We do not serve an accidental God. God never... I think this is funny. I've probably used it too many times because no one laughs anymore. But God never says, oops. God never says, I didn't see that one coming. We don't serve an accidental God of chance and circumstance, but rather one who is steadfast and sure. So, so whatever is going on in this world, and I do not claim to have an inside route to God, and God showed me this divine super truth, I don't have that, don't know that, but I will tell you this, my God is in control, my God knows what He is doing, and my God will not fail. I know those things, and you need to know those things today. Now, again, these are difficult times. And this is when that thought of scattering comes about. You know, in Acts chapter 8, it was hard times at the OK Corral. It was difficult times there for the church. Um, they had, now those of you who are deacons, you need to know this. They elected seven men to be deacons. They elected a guy named Stephen who really loved God a lot filled with the Holy Spirit. And he preached one day. And then they killed him. They stoned him to death. Difficult times for the church. You think these are difficult times for the church. And they might be difficult times for the church. But these were more difficult. So in Acts chapter 8, verse number 1, Saul, and soon to be Paul in a couple of chapters... Saul agreed with putting him to death. In other words, Saul was standing there as a young man going, Stone him! Kill him! Take his life! He's a blasphemer! He's one of those Jesus followers. Saul was consenting to his death. Now listen carefully. On that day. Someone say on that day. Yeah, yeah. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles, all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judah and Samaria. I want to ask you a question. What's God up to? Is it just possible, Brent, that God is scattering us? Is it possible that God is scattering us. You know, I heard a story once, and I, actually I've seen it. I, I heard the story, but I've seen it. Sometimes churches will put over their doors as you walk out the door. So you'll see it as you walk out the door. It says this, you are now entering the mission field. Now I'm going to tell you something I do know about the church. I don't know a whole lot, but this I know. The church has a bad habit of getting inside these four walls and think that's all there is. I think there ought to be over the doors of the church that you are now entering the mission field, and I think we all believe that. 
And I think God believes that. And I'm just wondering, is it possible that God said, Church, it's time to get outside the walls. It's time to do the ministry outside church. Gathering together, it's in the book, it's important. Doing church together, it's important. Fellowshipping together, it's important. Worshiping together, it's important. But God has forced our hands and said, For a while, for a season, for a season, there's going to be a scattering. For the purpose, for the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know this because I'm not an eagle expert, but I've heard this. I've heard that an eagle, if the, if the eaglet doesn't quite know when to leave the nest, Robin, when it doesn't quite get it, the mama or the daddy will push the eagle out of the nest. And, and Brent, I just got to ask myself, is it possible that God's pushing us out of the nest. All of a sudden, this made a whole lot of sense to this old preacher boy. So as persecution came upon the church, they were scattered. They were scattered to Judea and Samaria. Now watch, it gets even better. Verse 2. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. This is a season of, of grief. It's not only a time of, of persecution, of scattering, okay? But it's a time of grief. Many of you listening to my voice today are grieving over the fact you can't be here today. I understand that. Yesterday I did a wedding. There were three people there. Me and the couple. And I said, I tell you what, I, we can't have people here. Let me go get the tripod so we can record it. So I went and got that tripod right there and went up to the sanctuary. But as I walked into this building and saw these empty chairs, I grieved. I said, God, how long before these chairs are filled again? I'm a pastor. And there's something special when the pastor gets together with his flock in the building of God, the church of God. How long, God? And I felt this sense of grief. Last night, Brother Roy went to heaven, and we celebrate that. But it's probably going to be five or six weeks before they can bury the cremains. Five or six weeks before we can have a celebration of life service because of the coronavirus. There are things that cause us to grieve in these days. And just like in death, grief, grieving is a natural part of life, but you don't live there. You don't live in grief. You move on. And church, listen, we grieve for a season. But I'm telling you, God's got a reason. And God's got a purpose for what he is doing in our lives these days. And we must not be, be saddled down with our grief. We must be moving on in our celebration and the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes a little bit further. In verse 3, it says, Saul, however, was ravaging. What a good word. Saul was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. And that's horrible. And you know what? The coronavirus is horrible. The lives that it's taking is horrible. The disruption to our world is horrible. These are horrible things. No one should deny that. But we can celebrate that God's in control. And he's got a purpose. Are you ready for the blessed? This is going to be worth the price of you tuning in today. 
We've got all of this. We've got a time of difficulty, of persecution. We've got a time of grief. The evil was rampant in the church, attacking the church. But here we go, verse number four. Here it is. So those who were scattered, someone say scattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some, those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Is that good or what? Lost their jobs. Lost their security. Does this sound familiar? Separated from family. In danger as they travel from town to town. Uprooted from what they had known all of their lives. But as they went, they preached the gospel. The scattered. Is it possible that God is rooting us out of the building, scattering us, not so we can moan, and not so we can grow, and not so we say how horrible and bad it is, but that we might be preachers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, well, Wayne, I'm not seeing many people. No, but you've got a phone. No, but you've got Facebook. No, you've got, no, but you've got Instagram. I'm, I'm telling you what, there are so many ways to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in these days while we're outside this building. We can sit around and, like I say, just feel sorry for ourselves. And do I do that? Look at me on the camera. Yes, I do. Anybody who knows me halfway knows I can get grumpy and moody pretty easy. But God spoke in this preacher and said, listen, these are not times to be groany and moody. These are times to celebrate and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got you out of the building for a reason. Embrace that reason to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone said, don't run ahead of God. Let him direct your steps. He has plans and he has time. He has plans, I like that, and he has time. God's clock is never early nor late. It always strikes right on time. Right on time. So now, now we've been to the Old Testament. We went forward past the resurrection into the book of Acts. Now we're going to slide back into Palm Sunday. We're going to slide back right before the crucifixion. We're going to find ourselves in John chapter 12. And it ties in. This is what's so wonderful when God starts showing me the truth of these scriptures. Okay? We're going to see how it all ties together. Okay? That, that they were preaching the word in Acts as they went. Okay? So we see now about a week away from the crucifixion. Alright? These are the last times of Jesus. Got it? Okay. And John 12, something happens. Something happens. Something that's almost like a, a marker. A spiritual marker. So it says in John 12, 20 and 20 through 22... Now, some Greeks. Now, that's unusual. Jesus often had a, 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 Jew, a Jewish audience. He often had Gentile ones. But for these Jews or these Greeks to show up is kind of unusual. So these Greeks were among those who went to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, probably because Philip was a Greek name. They don't really know if he was Greek or not, but he had a Greek name. They came to Philip who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. So Philip went to get Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. <laughs> Just a little tidbit. It's funny. Andrew was the guy who was always bringing people to Jesus. And Philip was known as Philip the Evangelist. 
So you've got, the, you've got the evangelist and you've got the guys that always bring people to Jesus, okay? And they go see Jesus about this request. Now something, now listen, listen, listen. Something the Greeks saw, something the Greeks heard calls them to want to see Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Is what the world is seeing in my life and hearing from my, wow, my mouth causing them to want to see Jesus or wondering if there's a God anyway. See, these times are hard. So as the world world looks at us, do they say, I want what he's got or I don't know what he's got? Amen? It's huge. It's huge. These Jews come to say, we want to see Jesus. We want to see him. Now, now watch this. John 12, again, continuing, verse 23. Jesus replied to them when they came and said, Hey, there's some Greeks here, and they want to see you. Here's what Jesus said. And interestingly, he didn't say, Well, sure, bring them on in. Instead, he said this. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. In other words, it's about a week away. The, The whole purpose of him coming to earth. The crucifixion and resurrection are just about a week away. You know, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, I know the context. I know the context. But can I ask you a question? Is it just possible that in these days, it's the hour for the Son of Man to be glorified? Someone say amen. Is it just possible that in these days of coronavirus and the church is being scattered for the purpose of preaching the gospel, is it time for us to lift up Jesus higher than we ever have before? Is it time for the Son of Man to be glorified? I say yes. I say yes. I will not snatch this out of context any further than that. But it's time for Jesus to be glorified and lifted up. It's always time for Jesus to be glorified and lifted up. And then he says this in verse 24. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. If it dies, it produces much fruit. Again, I know the context. Jesus is saying, I could stay alive and minister and touch people, but that wouldn't accomplish what God has sent me to do. I've got to go, I've got to die. I've got to go and die on a cross and pay for the sins of mankind, and I've got to be buried, and I've got to be resurrected. So there must, might be lots of fruit. There's more fruit than you can imagine. I understand the context. But can I ask you this? Maybe is it time for us to understand we're called to die? Is it maybe time for us to realize that Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me? Is it time for us to realize that as a people we have died to self? Did not Jesus say in Matthew 6, 24, that if anyone's going to come after me, he must deny himself? Are these not days that we die to our own wants and concerns? Is these not days when we must deny ourselves for the purpose of glorifying the one who deserves to be glorified in this world? Let me tell you something. There's a world out there, and they want to see Jesus. They're scared to death. And I'm going to be honest with you. They don't need to see a church that's scared to death. They need to see a church that's standing in faith. A church that believes God is in control. A church that believes that Jesus is the answer.
That's what they need to see. So now we're going to fast forward about four days. Four days to John 13. Now it's right before. It's Passover night. In John 13, Jesus says, Now dear children, I will be with you on a little bit longer. And I mean just a little bit longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So what did he tell them? I mean, these are the last... These are the last times of Jesus. It's the last hours of Jesus. What is he going to share? If, if Jesus were here and could verbally speak to us in the days of coronavirus, what would he share? Well, I think we can get a glimpse. Because that was a crucial time. This is a crucial time. What would Jesus say? Well, John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Hmm. How profound is that? Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove the world that you're my disciples. How in this days of coronavirus do we prove we belong to Jesus? Now watch this. We would normally say, well, I go to church. Keep coming. Well, I can't wait to see you back in this room. But how can you prove you belong to Christ then? And how can you prove you belong to Christ now? L-O-V-E, love. The great command is thou shalt love the Lord the God with all your heart, with all your soul, with mind. Now that, listen, coronavirus doesn't change that. In fact, it may enhance that. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You can, listen, you can still love your neighbor. Last time I checked, that door is not closed. That door is not closed. So in the last times, when Jesus is, is there and he's saying, you know, you know show, show him love. Listen, listen, I know I've just got one more time with you. I want to leave something with you. Love your neighbor. Love God. Love each other. Let the world see this love because it's so out of this world. It's so, like, uncommon that they're going to say, whatever that is, I want that. Whatever it is, I want that. Love one another. Now, this is, boy, this is dangerous. Everybody that knows public speaking would say you don't do this, okay? I'm going to read something that's pretty long. So hang with me. Facebook, hang with me. Radio, hang with me, okay? It's about three paragraphs. It's not huge. But it's so interesting. Martin Luther, uh, back when they had the bubonic plague, okay, wrote a letter to a guy about how he was going to respond to the plague. Okay? It's really, it's really eye-opening eye and insightful. Here's what it says. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed. Now listen, this is so cool. In order not to become contaminated and thus perchance, thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death. As a result of my negligence. Is that all we did, Brent? When we said, you know what? We want to have church. But not because Governor Pritzker said no. But because we love each other. And we don't want to infect somebody with this virus. How about that? In the 1400s. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. <laughs> and I have done what he's expected of me. And so I'm not responsible in my, responsible in my own death or the death of of others. If my need, what if my neighbor needs me? If my neighbor needs me, however, 
I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. Luther says, if my neighbor has the plague and he needs me, I will go. I will put my life at risk for him. See, this is such a God-fearing faith, he said, because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Pretty powerful. We need to love one another, and we need to love our neighbors. I mean, we can call, we can text, we can Facebook, we can Instagram. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Is there any way I can help you? Oh, and by the way, side note, five months after this was written, Luther's daughter died of the plague. Just because he obeyed God doesn't mean he's exempt from tragedy. Tragedy still came. So, we need to show them love. We need to show them authenticity of um, reality. And, and I, I wrote down, I, I put this in purple, which means it's really important on my note sheet. You know, God now gives, Jesus now gives Peter a reality check. Okay? Now, here's how it goes. So, Simon Peter asked and said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, well, you can't go with me now but you will follow me later. But why can I come now, Lord? I'm ready to die for you. Now, I want you to know something. He really believed that. Hard times will cause us to do a reality check, to see how real we are and how real what we believe is. Okay? Okay, so he says, I'll die for you. And here's what she said. Now, Jesus was not being mean. He's giving Peter a reality check. Because Peter needs a reality check so he can be what God wants him to be. God, God gave the church a reality check so the church can be what the church needs to be. Die for me, Jesus said. I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny three times that you even Again, Jesus wasn't being mean. Jesus was being harsh. He said, Peter, you need to know something about yourself. I, I need to show you something. I need to show you something that you don't know about yourself. Okay? And I think God said to the church, I need to show, especially in Western culture, I need to show you something you don't know about yourself. I need to show you the reality of what you need to be, a gospel-sharing station. I love that you worship me together. I love that you minister to many together. I'm grateful for all that you do, but he goes, you need to be this gospel-sharing station outside of the walls. Now, Luke records the same thing, and he gives us a different angle, though. It's really good. Here's, what, here's how Luke recorded the conversation in Luke 22. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. You know what I love about this? Satan asked. See, some of y'all listen on Facebook and the radio, and maybe some of this room, I don't know. You're going, oh, Satan, Satan's got all this power, and Satan can do what he wants. Really? Do you honestly believe that? Is your God so small that Satan's bigger? You better get yourself a new God. Let me tell you something. 
God and Satan are not even in the same ballpark. I mean, it's not even close. There's no competition. I love it. You know, Jesus says, hey, Satan's, Satan's asked. Had to get permission to sift you as wheat. But I pray for you. I pray for you that your faith may not fail. Wouldn't you like Jesus to pray for you? Uh, he does every day. He makes intercession. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. But, but listen to this. Listen to this. Verse 20 and 21. Here's God, uh, Jesus' high priestly prayer. I do not pray for these alone, talking to the Father, but also for those who will believe in me through the word. Uh, that would be us. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Wow, how about that? How powerful is that? I prayed for you. And here's the deal. I pray that your faith won't fail. And Peter's faith didn't fail. He failed, but his faith didn't fail. Okay? But watch this. And when you have turned back, when you repent... When you are restored, okay, strengthen your brothers. See, we learn from our mistakes. The church would be wise. Listen, the church of today would be wise to learn from her mistakes. Don't be afraid. Be authentic. You know, the world can handle our failures and mistakes. They can't handle our hypocrisy. They can't handle our fakeness, our plasticness, our mask. They can handle our failures. Let me be honest and say, you know what? Maybe the church wasn't a church. But you know what? By God's grace, we will be the church. We will be the church. Now, authenticity requires bold prayers. Listen to this. Search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's like mining. You know, coal mining is still big around here. I drive by the coal mine out on, on uh, 34, 145, going toward Paducah. And I know they go in there and they mine as deep as they need to go to hit the vein to get the coal. I mean, say, God, I want you to mine me. I want you to go as deep as you need to go. I need for you to do what you need to do to see if there's any anxious thoughts in me. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Show them our authenticity, that we're real. Yeah, we fail. Yeah, we make mistakes. We're not better than you. We're just forgiven. We're just forgiven. And you can be forgiven too. All right, let's look at this. It bleeds right into it. John chapter 14, 13, chapter 13 ends, and then we go into chapter 14, this wonderful, we've got to show them faith. We've got to show them faith. You know, in these wonderful scriptures, I end every funeral service with these scriptures. You know, let not your hearts be troubled. See, see, listen, these are not time for troubled hearts. It's time for trusting hearts. These are not times for troubled hearts. It's not for the believer, for the believer. These are not times for troubled hearts. These are time for trusting hearts. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, trust in God. Trust in me. Trust his timing. Trust his ways. Trust his purpose. 
Someone said, trust in God's timing. <laughs> this is good. It's better to wait a while and have things fall into place than to rush and have them fall apart. Trust God. Trust his timing. Show them heaven. Show them hope. There's more room in my father's home. If it weren't, if it were not so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you? Let them know heaven's real. Let them know that there's even hope beyond the coronavirus. Let them know that should death come, you are certain where you are going. Let them know it's not a hope so maybe deal. It's the real deal. Whether you're 81 or whether you're 35, whether it's an accident or coronavirus, let them know heaven is real to you. Heaven is real to you. And I love this. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Jesus is getting things ready. And by the way, my opinion, little Southern Lord preacher opinion, God's just getting things ready. He's a, it's, not a, it's not like this is like one of the great signs of the Bible, this, this pandemic. It's not. But it's signs of the time. It's signs of a world that needs Jesus. Listen to this. Listen to this. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel, this gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You trust me. Trust me. Give your call to your local missionary. They may be locked up in their house. Kim and Chris, I think they're listening today. Kim and Chris may be in their apartment. Let me tell you something. They're where they can. They're sharing the gospel. Our friends over in Central Asia, they're sharing the gospel. Our, our friends in South Af or in Africa are sharing the gospel. Our friends in Uganda are sharing the gospel. Our friends in Watoto uh, are sharing the gospel. The gospel's being shared, getting ready for the end. Getting ready for the end. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Bible says, God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's coming. He's getting ready. And this is an opportunity to do our part by sharing the gospel. By sharing the gospel. By loving a world that may not love us back. By loving a world that may not love us back. And showing them Jesus. And last thing, of course, got to end with this. Show them the way. Show them the way. Jesus said in verse 4, And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, Oh, no, we don't, Lord. No, we don't. We have no idea. <laughs> Get one, Thomas. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then he said it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. I love this. It wasn't the church. It wasn't like, you know, the building. It wasn't even membership in a building. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the simple gospel that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it breaks down like this. You know, Jesus came and was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and then willingly was nailed to a cross. Willingly was nailed to a cross. 
He lived on that cross for a few hours until he yielded his life. In other words, he gave his life up and he cried out and said, it is finished. What was finished? The price for sin. The price for sin. He died. They took him down. He stayed in the grave for three days. And in the building or not, in the building or not, in the building or not, next week is Easter. And we are going to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We're going to do it differently, but we're going to celebrate because it's true. It's true. It's true. And if we're willing to turn from our sin and choose to follow him and believe that truth, then heaven can be our home. And coronavirus can't take it from you. And your friends can't take it from you. Your wife can't take it from you. Your failures can't take it from you. Love the song, the words in that song. You know, a hundred billion failures disappear when he speaks. Wow. How powerful is that? So you're here today and, or listening today, and you've never heard that truth before. Man, I tell you what, let me give you my phone number. It's 499-0070. 499-0070. You call me, and we probably can't meet together but I can share with you about Jesus over the phone. I'll be glad to do that. I sure will. It's the greatest truth ever. And church, that, that can't be here in this building today, I want you to know something. I do believe God's doing something big. These are valuable days. Don't waste them. These are valuable days, okay, that God is doing something great with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must, Brent, we must be about the Father's business. We must be about the Father's business. Every opportunity we have, be willing and ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let, let me close with a, a devo, a devotional thought from a Greg Laurie, just a closing paragraph. He said, people are watching you right now. They are. People are watching you right now. They're developing an opinion about God on the basis of your life. Is that not good? They're developing an opinion about God on the basis of your life. It has been said that a Christian is an epistle written by God and read by men. You are the only Bible that some people will ever read. You are the only Bible some people will ever read. They will be looking at you, and that may determine the course their lives may take. Wow. So during these coronavirus days, lift up your head, dear saint. Your father is in control. Your father is in charge. Come on now. Our father knows what he's doing during these coronavirus days. It's time to be the church. It's time to live like a child of God. It's time to be the church like never before. God has scattered us for a reason. And that reason is the sharing, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then one day soon, one day soon, we'll be together. And I hope, I hope we got tons of stories, Robin. Tons of stories to tell. Let me tell you what God did during the coronavirus. And we'll tell stories of victory, of people saved, and lives changed. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing these truths today. You are such a good and glorious God. And Father, I am grateful for you showing me, at least for me personally, I hope for others, Father, that one of the purposes just might be our scattering. That you're nudging us out of the nest. That you're opening the doors for a mission field. Thank you for that. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to be upon us. Give us the courage and the strength that we need. Father, these are difficult times. 
These are difficult times. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the water, treading water as fast as I can and barely keep my head above water. Oh, but God, we have a lifeguard. We have a Savior who will not let us drown. Thank you for that. Help us, God, truly to be about your business. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.